Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Modern workplace technology are a primary driver of digital transformation in the banking industry, creating immense opportunities for improved customer experiences, as well as improved employee experiences. With increased competition from both fintech and big tech firms, what are the most important technologies in the workplace that can transform banking services and make banks and credit unions more future ready? I'm excited to have Leo Brito, EVP of Workplace Experience and Productivity Solutions at Wells Fargo on the Banking Transform podcast. Leo shares where financial institutions must prioritize their workplace technology investments in 2023. Financial institutions of all sizes must invest in cutting-edge collaborative technologies to stay competitive. But given how quickly things have changed and how important technology is becoming, what are the most important technologies that are that financial institutions must consider in 2023, despite an unknown economic environment? And even more importantly, how does this impact the workforce and how can the workforce impact the technologies? So, Leo, your title is that you are the EVP of Workforce Experience and Productivity Solutions at Wells Fargo. How important is the integration of new technology solutions and the workplace experience? Very important, Jim, and thank you for having me. So if you look at the name of our group, you will realize that probably in other banks is called workplace technologies. And, and when I joined Wells Fargo about 18 months ago, uh, the, the, the title that we have for our group was end user technologies, right? And if you look at the name alone, you start seeing that, that we weren't focusing on the experience of our colleagues. We were focusing on deploying technologies for them to use that we thought they needed, right? So by calling ourselves ourselves workforce um, experience and productivity solutions, it was kind of changing the mindset to have human design, right? What do our colleagues do? How do they work every day? What technologies will make the day easier? Uh, historically, in, in the enterprise, we have these very complex solutions to everyday problems when it comes to the workplace technologies and the user experience or, or the employee experience is lost. Is you know, we need to make sure that it's secure. So then there is 400 passwords to get into a place, right? Or, you know, um, we, we cannot retain certain information, so we're going to shut down all the features. And then for what happens is that we're, you know, minimizing or, or reducing productivity or we're minimizing collaboration. So uh, as we look at, at, at the next four or five years, our idea is to transform the, the workplace technology into a cohesive ecosystem, just like the Apple ecosystem or the Amazon ecosystem, right? In, in our case, it will be the Microsoft ecosystem. That's what we're, we're betting on, right? So we, we're providing all the, the solutions pro provided by Microsoft and trying to deploy them in a secure way, compliant with regulatory requirements, and but a very rich user experience. So it's interesting, you're relatively recent hire at Wells Fargo. When you first joined the organization, what did you see as your immediate challenge? My, my immediate challenge, what I call it, is 
the trauma the organization has had for, for, for the last 10 years or so, um, you know, you might be familiar on things that were on the news, right? Yeah. And what what the company rightly so has done is put a lot of controls, right? So the pendulum went into the very conservative state, right? There were features that if we were not sure that we could have them or retain them, we would not do them, right? So what we're trying to do now that we have closed a lot of those issues, we're trying to find the middle ground where we can actually provide a relatively good user experience, reduce a lot of the friction, but still have all the controls and demonstrate the controls to the regulators or, or to our various internal and external stakeholders. So this really becomes, in a way, a trust issue, doesn't it? Because, you know, the employees thought they were, they were getting beat up by the marketplace quite a bit. And in a way, they were beat up by their own organization just because so many more controls had to be put in place. But really, what you're doing now is is opening the dynamics while still keeping the controls there. But it really gets down to a trust issue, doesn't it? To, to a certain extent, I think the trust issue, uh, I wouldn't call it a trust issue. I wouldn't say beat up. I think the employees were conscious of the situation that the company was in, and they were willing to accept the controls. Uh, the, what, what you're gonna what, what you're gonna find interesting is that as we're trying to make things easier, we're still getting a lot of questions from our own employees about, are you sure? Like, like yeah. you know, can I do this? Historically, yep. right? Because there, there, there is a group consciousness that was created around all these issues where everybody like actually, and, and when, when you read things on the news, you, you start thinking that, you know, people just don't care. And what my surprise was like, people actually care a lot, right? One of the few things, or one of the most important things that I like about this company is how proud people are working at Wells Fargo. Right. So they're just not if you can say that the trust issues is about me because I'm new. Right. Here comes this guy trying to do something completely different. He probably doesn't understand that we need to have all these controls and we need to shut down all these features uh, because we need to make sure that our reputation doesn't get damaged. So you were in the financial service industry before Wells Fargo. What is the biggest change that you've seen in the banking industry around workforce technologies even since two years ago? accepting that moving to the cloud is inevitable, right? So the productivity suite being on the cloud, the data being on the cloud, your, pers your, your personal storage or your, your corporate storage being on the cloud and how to secure them. Like we, I, I, I've been in the banking industry for about 25 years. Um, I, I think our biggest fear was how do we control the data? How do we get comfortable that companies like Microsoft, Google, and Amazon know how to control and secure our data the same way we do it ourselves. Um, and when you think about, you know, on-premise, um, on-premise there is a sense of security because you have a lot of control. You see all the widgets, you can potentially shut down all your links and nobody can get in, right? And when you look at most of the data uh, issues that, that some companies have had, they've been attacked on-prem and we haven't seen that massive attacks on the cloud yet. I, I'm, I think we will see them, right? Yeah. And we will learn from those. But historically, the, the, bigger, the bigger attacks have been to corporate sites, not, not necessarily cloud sites. So when you look at 2023 and you look at your role at Wells Fargo in the whole workforce management, but also in the deployment of technologies, what is on your priority list for 2023? 
My, my priority list, is, there's a few things, right? But the first thing is understanding my colleagues. I don't think we have done uh, a good enough work to understand what every single role in the company does and how they do it and how they would like to do it. Right. And we're defining what are the friction points. I think historically, when company talks about personas, we the, I, the, the way I see it is that we, we actually create profiles of people. But that's not necessarily a persona. Right? Like if you think about persona, you got to look at their journey. How does the day start? How do the day changes throughout the day? What are the multiple things that I do throughout the day? Uh, what styles do I have throughout the day? And how does my day end? Right. Um, and I, I, I wrestle with the idea when you think about persona creation, people think, OK, six to eight. Right. We have two hundred and sixty thousand, two hundred and forty thousand users. Right. Two hundred and forty thousand employees. Do you want to narrow them down to six to eight? We have five to five to six different business units that do radical different businesses. Right. Uh, even within banking. Um, I think it's probably treating one each each one of those divisions as its own set of personas, and then go through seniority of those roles. Uh, my, my experience has been that the junior people work one way, the the middle manage works another way, and the senior management works another way. The other thing that I want to make sure, uh, as part of the persona development, is I would like to understand how do we. The young, the, the young part of the workforce, right? Those people that we get right, right outside of school, I truly believe that we brainwash them when we bring them into the enterprise. They're used to working in a particular way that is very productive for them, very easy, right? And, and, and I think a, a lot of them have not seen, to be honest with you, Microsoft when they first joined an enterprise, they probably were on Chrome or they were probably on Apple, right? Like the, those are the things that are popular with the younger population. Uh, and the first thing that we introduce them is like, all right, so you got to log into a VPN. You got to put three passwords before you log in, right? And and they get adjusted to it as every human gets adjusted to to friction. Uh, but I would like to figure out like, how do I make it easy for them so that when they do this jump from whatever they come to into Microsoft, they have this unique experience, right? Where they can just use their face recognition, and we are comfortable that at the enterprise level, we are doing the right things in terms of security. And you open uh, your computer or laptop or, or anything, everything I have is there, right? Yep. Um, I, I also uh, would like to start implementing more data uh, analysis proactively. I don't want to call it AI um, or machine learning, but we're not even using data to understand. It's like, well, what does Jim use every day? How long does he spend on Outlook? How long does he do teams? How many emails that he sent? And I started figuring out, okay, so Jim probably should use about, should have more knowledge about this thing that he's not using and proactively sent you something that says, Jim, do you know if you do this, you will save two minutes? I also can look at, if I look at the data more closely, I can also see Jim's uh, systems are having issues. They're overloaded and be proactive and do some self-healing or self-cleaning self, self stuff. So, you know, Wells Fargo, just like virtually every uh, legacy financial institution of all sizes, is somewhat playing catch up on both the employee and customer expectations around digital transformation. How do organizations like Wells focus on the employee experience instead of simply trying to use technology to cut costs? We, we are. We, I don't think we see it as using technology to, to cut costs. 
I think we can increase productivity by reducing friction is the, is the way we are seeing it, at least with our colleagues. And the yep. digital transformation from how the bank does business is, is not part of my realm. But like my, my remedy is how do I make the average employee more productive and save them time so they can do the business at hand? I think they wrestle with technology too much. And that's what we're trying to transform. Now, you could argue as well that Wells Fargo was a little bit behind or, 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 or had not aggressively pursued this transformation in the workplace. But I think we're in a, we're, we're in a position of advantage to a certain extent because we have seen what other people have done. Right. And I think we can jump that step and, and move to the forefront. So you, you talk about giving the tools to the employees. How important do you see it for financial institutions to share data-driven insights across the organization and, you know, to actually provide this customer care, customer support insights to the employees themselves across the entire organization? Uh, that's the thing that we're wrestling with. We haven't decided how we're going to do it. I think... Um, we, we, we started looking at, at Microsoft Viva, but th there's a few things, right? So um, there is a perception of privacy that we need to address with our own employees and with, the, with our own HR and legal department, right? Like how much information uh, does the cloud provider have and how do, how, how do we know that information is secure? Then understanding um, if, if we look at product like Viva, like what is it that the employee is going to want to see? Yep. Right. Uh, so it goes back to my very first priority, which is understanding what they do. If I understand what they do, I most likely can start uh, giving them what they want to see. Um, I, ideally, there is a lot of wellness benefits. You're having too many meetings. You're not meeting with your manager enough. There's so much data that we can provide our own employees. Right. Like you haven't connected with this. Uh, peer of yours over the last three months, you probably should. Uh, there is a lot that, they that we can do for, for well-being. Uh, we can do a lot for career progression. Uh, and we can do a lot for professional development, right? Um, so we can give them, say, like, okay, we noticed that you have not used this tool. Do you know if you use this tool? Here's a training, right? There is many, many, many things that we can do with the data, but we're still not quite sure how, how we're going to do it. We need to address a couple of more um, basic issues first. So we often talk about the importance of both speed and scale and innovation around digital banking transformation. How do you help to support increasing speed of innovation among the workforce and to improve the employee experience? That's an excellent question. So um, it's not easy. What we've been trying to do is have probably three or four um, initiatives going on at the same time. So if you think of one initiative is just steady deployment of things that we know, if you think about VDI, for example, uh, virtual desktop, right? And then uh, at the same time, we have another initiative looking at cloud desktop. And uh, at the same time, we're looking at uh, something more native where everything is, we're calling it a, a cloud PC, a, a cloud desktop, right? So I ship you a device. Uh, the device comes directly from the manufacturer. You log in with your Wells Fargo credentials and the device builds itself, gives you all the applications you need, and then you're ready to go, right? Um, so innovation has to be done like that. So the, the last one is probably the one that, that we think is going to be the future. And we start deploying to pockets of the firm. 
when you have a good solution in in in, in my space uh, particularly you get calls about i want it so if nobody's calling you that i want this solution your solution is probably not good enough right okay. Uh, so the, the other thing that we're trying to do is try to I have a, a specific group um, that is looking two years ahead because uh, I think that sometimes we concentrate too much on the present. And uh, what, what I tell my team is like, I want to look two years ahead. So when the present becomes the past, we're ready for the future. Right. So it's like we we, we look at projects as a as a holistic sense. Okay, we're done in 2025. Now we're going to look, right? By the time you look and you solve, you already dated yourself, if that makes sense. Right. Hopefully it answers the question. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, it's interesting, too. When you talk about, you know, the management of people, which you do, and you also work to make it so the people do a better job, you know, it, it really is a different world than it was two years ago because many of us are remote at least certain days of the week and it makes the management of employees different. How have you adjusted as a person to a work from home or remote work environment? And what do you, have you done to make it more personal? So I, I've, I've struggled with it because I'm not necessarily, I don't like working from home. First of all, I eat too much. My kitchen is like right there. <laughs> um, and, and, and second, I like the, I like the on schedule um, interactions. Um, I was, you know, listening to a podcast the other day and they, they were saying that happiness, uh, a, a big factor in happiness is your human interactions with, with yeah. the, the driver, the person at the, at the coffee shop, right? Um, uh, so what we have been trying, so obviously when we were in the lockdown, it was about making all the technologies available uh, as, as, you know, so, so they, they could actually work. But now that we're in a more mature state in the hybrid, I think the key until we figure out which way we're going, right? Because when, when I say we is the world, right? You're going to see yep. the world. Right now it feels hybrid. I have this feeling that we are going to go back to the office eventually. Uh, humans want to be with humans. There, there, there is the flexibility is what I think is going to be important. I need to work from home today. I can work from home the same as it was in the office, right? Um so finding equality between the participants yeah. is going to be critical, right? Yep. Um, so when it comes to meetings, that is important that I see what the people in the room see. I hear what they hear, right? And I'm not just an expectator in a meeting. So I think before the pandemic, when you there was a center of gravity normally in a meeting, right? And then everybody else that was attending, you know, digitally, uh, was probably an expectator rather than an active participant, m more often than, than not. So one of the things that we want to solve is like, how do we make everybody equal, right? And we also working with Microsoft to, to do that, right? So I see every single face in the conference room, not just a long table that I cannot even tell uh, if people are actually awake, right? I see the content, I see the chat, I see, and then if I'm in the conference room, the other way, the, the other way around, right? So I see all the features all at once. So there is no, there is nobody with an advantage in terms of the meeting. That, that's one portion. The other portion is uh, when we were talking about earlier about data, right? So how do I tell you who you should be interacting with that you haven't, right? Because when you're permanently from home, you don't have the, I ran into you on my way to the pantry, right? Right. 
Um, so figuring out how digital relationships uh, can give us data around you should be interacting with this person. Uh, you, even sometimes, uh, and this is probably far away from now, but it's like if we if we will understand all the common interests that our employees have, I can we, we can potentially create community, right? So almost the, better than we were able to do in person. Almost better. Almost you have better. the ability to use data to actually drive engagement with similarities between people. Yeah, I so I love using data, but I never see it as a uh, as an exact science. I think our computers and, and our brains are so much more accurate and based on our intuition. Uh, but I think that I can help or we can help, right? Create new relationships. So except, did you know that this other person went to the same school you went and their experience says that they did these things that you did, you know, and then we'll figure out how to break that ice. But I think that's one of the parts where we can start creating better human connections inside the, inside the enterprise. You know, it's interesting. We talk about diversity and inclusion. And in the past, it had to do with somewhat easier dynamics, such as, you know, male, female and, and nationality and color, things of this nature. But you brought it up, you know, the diversity and inclusion also has to do with what's your work habits? Are you in the office all the time? Or you're not in the office. Does it hurt me if I'm going to be remote in, a, in, an, in an ability to get promoted throughout the organization? How have you changed the way you look at diversity and inclusion, not just with your current employees, but with regard to hiring and management? So inclusion, I'm going to focus on the inclusion portion rather yep. than the diversity portion. Yep. I think the diversity portion is a complex topic uh, and I'm very passionate about it. But the inclusion is what I said before. It's about equity. So regardless of who I am and where I'm at, I should feel included and not left out of a conversation, of our interaction, of a project. So how do I figure that problem out uh, or how we, my, my team and I figure that problem out? That's going to be super important because that is going to drive the diversity as well. Right. And and then th there is a funny things that, that I've seen on, on data studies. Right. Like uh, we all assume uh, that the younger generation wants to work from home. The fact is that based on some studies, no, they actually want to come to the office. Right. Uh, it's us in the middle of our lives. Well, I'm probably on the third portion of my life, but on, on the middle of our lives that we have a little bit more complicated lives and we have errands to run and kids to take to the doctors. But so the, the, when you're younger, like you tend to be more social. So you want to be in the office so you can interact with people. So how do we find the balance of concentration at the office and concentration remotely? And how do we, how do we bring those two together? So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsors of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So welcome back to Banking Transform. I'm joined today by Leo Brito. You know, you're very passionate about this and I and I know that, you know, it extends beyond work. 
Can you elaborate a little bit on that and, and how your success at Wells Fargo has actually helped you set precedence for your peers in the banking industry and beyond? So, so my, my success actually comes from my from my previous company. I, I worked in another financial institution and I, and I learned a lot there. Um, it, it was about learning um, learning how to interact with people from multiple cultures. It, it, it was it was very interesting. Uh, I was very lucky to have a lot of interactions with with my team in India. I, I had a team there since 2002, I want to say. Right, and then I lived abroad in Japan for a year. It gave you, it gave me another view. Uh, and when people say something that sounds almost cliche, it's like you know, diversity is about diversity of thought, right? But I actually saw it, like you know, going to places and being there for an extended period of time. So now I think that when I build teams or when I'm in companies where there is a diversity of thought, I think we can all be successful. Right, you learn new behaviors, you learn new ways of thinking, you you, you start thinking broadly. Uh, so I think uh, the uh, at Wells Fargo, uh, at least uh, at my level, I'm seeing that. I think we 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 need, we, we need a lot more work when it comes to diversity. Uh, uh, you know, in, in ethnicity uh, diversity is important to me. Uh, obviously, fairly brown. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a good start. It's a, it's a, it's a nice place. Um, the, the other thing I think is super interesting to me since I joined Wells Fargo is that the, the customers that we have for the firm are most of our customers are everyday Americans. Um, and I think that the, the fact that we have those customers also relates to our employees. So I've seen a lot more diversity on our workforce. Right. Right. Because it's, we have to, right? Because those are our customers as well. So I, I, I like so that a lot. We're going to make a little shift here. You know, a lot of what you do involves partnering with outside partners that can, that can drive technology and innovation, can drive scale and speed. You know, how is your success with your technology partners actually set an example for other organizations? I mean, what, what do you see that works and how much do you actually let go between developing internally and using partners? Uh, my personal preference is always using partners first. Uh, unless we are going to do something that is a business process that is critical to the firm or how we uh, help our customers, I think we're not experts on cloud or nor we should be. Um, I think partnerships are partnerships if I use a Microsoft as an example, I think having access deep into their bench is what is important to me when I look at a partnership, right? Having relationships with the engineers, with their managers, right? Not just your account team. And I think with, with Microsoft, we're being very successful at having all those layers of interactions, right? Also being transparent with each other, right? So I, I think when, when I'm asking for a solution for something that is too narrow for my industry or even for my bank, uh, we together look yet for another partner that can solve that for us. So if you think about all the regulatory things that we have around communications, uh, electronic communications, I, I, I cannot expect for Microsoft to solve every issue. I would like them to help me, right? But we also together can actually help all the partners that they have that can solve problems for the, the whole ecosystem. 
So partnerships, partnerships are critical here. Um, I think teaching your partners why you think the way you think and why uh, the uh, the you have such you know sometimes odd set of requirements. It it, it allows and and that information translating all the down to the engineering teams is where we can actually get better over time. Hopefully that yeah, answers your it question. Yeah, it does. You know, as you look to 2023 and, and beyond, what do you see as the three most important workforce technology and digital transformation trends for next year and beyond? So the, the, the ecosystem, like I mentioned before, so having a enterprise ecosystem where you can access all your data and your applications, not only that you can access it, that, that's a given, right? You needed to do the work, but you can access it however you want. You can access it in the office on a corporate device. I can give you a corporate device to carry with you. You can access it on a personal device. You can access it like, a, like on a tablet, like on your phone. I think that's going to be critical. I think our workforce is going to be more mobile. Um, I think people are going to change how they behave uh, in terms of like, you know, we used to think that I'm coming to the office and I'm going to just sit at my desk. If we go back to the office and we do that, I think we failed, right? I think we'll, we need to provide people spaces where they can sit and do concentrated work, but we need to provide them spaces to collaborate more freely and unbound. I, I think conference rooms are very you know, uh, constricted, right? It's like if the two of you want to have, we will sit on a couch, we both have our tablets, we can just write and draw and and do a lot of things that are, are not necessarily a theme for the banking industry. If you think about the tech industry, they probably do it more often than we do. I don't think they're perfect, um, but that's what I think we need to do. That's what is, that's what is important uh, in the future, the mobility of the ecosystem. And I can access it and I can just, uh, to work however I want to work at that given moment. It's not a it's not a constrained set of, uh, isn't yeah. It's not a rigid way. So of your career has really been at been at very large financial institutions. Everything we've talked today about can these type of strategies and and implementations be done at any size organization? Is it just driven by the biggest, or can these ideas, these strategies that you've discussed today in the workforce be implemented at any size? I think it can be implemented any size as long as you understand the, the users, right? Um, and and, and seg segment your market accordingly. I think the scale um, um, was complex when you were doing on-prem stuff. You needed more servers and you needed more things and bigger data centers, right? But I think with the maturity of the cloud, I yeah. think deploying 50 and deploying 240,000 is becoming almost irrelevant as long as you have done the pre-work and the engineering and the controls and the, 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 the right, the right, identifying the right requisites. Um, so I don't think scale has anything to do. I, I come from a firm that was like 60,000 60, yeah. workforce, including employees and non-employees. And now I'm in one that is 260,000 or 240,000. Big difference between the two. I, I think the, the larger firms have a little bit more red tape. Yeah. Right? But from a technology perspective, if I can solve it for all the right personas, I should be able to scale. Like. Um, the one thing that's been impressive to me is that when I was a smaller firm, it will take us a year to deploy 50,000 users, right? Here, we do 
weekend deployments of 40,000. Wow. Uh, so we almost finished rolling out teams for the entire firm, right? Included, included users that have some regulatory requirements. And we're doing 30, 40,000 a weekend. It, it was just crazy. I was super impressed. Um, and we probably have the largest deployment of teams in our financial industry. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's amazing how we have functionality at WISE have really transformed from the standpoint of being able to do things quicker and easier to deploy better technologies. You know, thank you so much for being on the show, Leo. I really appreciate your time and your insights onto workplace technologies and transformation. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Bank and Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to read my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research they're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Rohoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember that investing technology is only the first steps. Organizations must commit to integrating these new technologies with the people throughout their organization. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.